Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Penny Lane Podcast with Santa Aristotle and Kuya with guest host Ella Stillinger. This week, we're sponsored by Penny's Going In Raw and Last Bottle Wine. The stock market is hotter than ever right now, and traders are taking advantage. But what does that mean for the people who still haven't started trading? The market can be a little intimidating at first, but you don't have to be alone in the learning experience. We at the Pennies Going In Raw podcast are here to help you. I'm Dan, and with my co-host Hugh Henney, we make the stock market a fun but informative experience for our listeners. We offer knowledge for all levels of traders, from beginners to those who do it full-time. On PGIR, we discuss up-to-date news about the stock market and interview other traders who all started out just like us and made it big. You'll hear from Hugh and other multi-millionaire traders, founders and CEOs of companies, Fintwit superstars, and even professional athletes. Have you ever thought about investing your hard-earned cash but don't know where to start? Do you have money just sitting in your savings account collecting dust? We were all there once, too. Listen to Pennies Going In Raw on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, Santa and Kuya. Welcome to the Penny Lane Podcast. Thank Hello. you, guys. We're happy to Thanks have you. We also managed to get Ellis back on the podcast with us tonight. Ellis, what did we do to deserve this honor? Uh, well, Santa has been my boy for literally ever, so I had to be here. I mean, you know, we go way, way back. I don't think people know that, but yeah. A little side story is PT is actually the first trading Discord I ever joined uh, for Penny Stocks. Like, Uh way, way back. Like, when uh, Rob Trades, like, just started trading in, like, 2019, uh, I used to be on Robinhood, and he posts his play. And I would just slap it and just overnight it like every single night, and it was just hitting. Like it was just like and we were going crazy. So yeah, it was the first Discord I joined, and then I think they went paid, and that's how I got into Sapphire. So a little uh, fun fact. Fun fact, man, those were the days, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. Just buy a call, and it just or it just would work. Yeah, I used to buy my IRA. I'd buy like five hundred dollars worth, and then just like. Send it and I wake up, like, ah, I made 40% like for no reason. No idea Um, what I was doing. I've been talking to a lot of like really good, experienced traders, and guys, it's a bloodbath out there. That's what I'm seeing. People are trying to stay positive and like everything, but I feel morale is down. Oh, for sure. A lot of the uh, like, I call them the OGs. So I'm in like a smaller discord and some of the guys have been trading full time for like 15, 20 years. And they're just like on the beach, just hanging out, getting tan and fishing. So they're like, I'll be back in February. So everyone's going well, through it. Remember how we all thought the market was coming back in January? Well, that this is all BS. We thought <laughs> the market was coming back in September, October, November. Then we thought we'd have a Santa rally. Then we're like first of the year. The market owes us. And, yep. um, you know, you know, we're in, we're in, we're at war here. <laughs> Not the PT boys though. Uh, Kuya and Santa, they crush it every single day. I see them. Yes, All right. Sir. Well, tell us how you're doing it. Well, for me, for one, I take care of the pre-market crew most of the time. And then we switch over to voice chat at 10 a.m. But like I always tell everybody, especially on Twitter, I, I believe if you have a positive mindset in anything that you do, you can find some good results. So my way of looking at it, there's always a certain play that's going to go 
always. You're always going to find at least a 20% play at pre-market if you're playing with news. As long as you're playing the right news, you can't just play anything that, you know, sounds good. You have to make sure that the volume is confirmed. All your indicators are telling you that it's good to go. And, you know, there's for me, there's always an abundance of money out there somewhere. There's always a play for me. All right. So I have I just interviewed um, Radio Silent Play. And he's really good on like mindset and positive thinking and stuff. And he has got me on this 30 day regimen of meditating at night and in the morning. And so I'm on day like six or seven now. And I mean, not to be like voodoo with you guys, but I'm feeling better, feel more positive. I'm trading better. I mean, it might be a little too early to tell, but I, I'm here for the mindset. I think yeah. you have more clarity. So that always helps focus and, and kind of nail those trades. And I just don't feel as, I don't feel as scared, you know, so. That's good. Yeah, there's an analogy that I like to use a lot. Um, I play soccer or football, whichever you call it, but it's in any sport, basically. If you're playing with fear, you're going to get injured, in my mind. Oh, my gosh. If you're playing penny stock, your options with fear, you're going to get burned somehow because you're just attracting it. You know, you're thinking too much negativity and you're just, in my opinion, you're attracting it. And you're not even ready, you know, to stop loss or do whatever. You got to trade with your indicators like a robot. That's the way I have been managing to do to deal with this, you know, tough market. I like that. I like that a lot. I also love a sports analogy. <laughs> love it. So I'm a gym bro, not an athlete. So, yeah, that that makes sense to me as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with so, you, Alice. Uh, there, yeah, there you go. That's two of us. Yeah, I just go to the gym and like try to look buff for the chicks. Uh, even though people think I am a girl still, so you know. Are you um, getting any cardio in at the gym, uh, or is nah, it just bulking season right now? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Come on, Kira probably knows, right? It's bulking season, right? Yeah, I usually I used to get up early and and trade, you know, many hours. But recently, I've found out that you know the less I trade. Uh, the more effective I am. So I'm usually up at, you know, 4 a.m. to check the news. And then I'll, I'll usually head to the gym most of pre-market. Now, are you on in the East in uh, Are you on the East Coast? Yeah, I'm, I'm on the East Coast. Man, I've been having to wake up 30 minutes early for these meditations. And by 30 minutes early, I mean like seven. It's really <laughs> kicking my butt. So props to you for a 4 a.m. wake up. That's you really want it. And that's fantastic. Um, yeah. Santa, are you going to the gym as well? Um, to be honest, I like to go uh, for runs a lot. I do work out at home, but I don't think it's the same as going to the gym, of course. But um, I do like, let's say mid-afternoon, I do like to go to the park for a little run just to like get off the screens, you know? Mm-hmm. Do you... I mean, so all of you like to exercise. Would you guys say that it is vital to your trading career to like be able to get some exercise in? Yeah, for me, definitely. Um, I believe that's the best way that you can get rid of stress. Absolutely. Yeah, not looking at screens, just anything that get your mind, you know, put on some music, whatever you like, and just kind of disconnect. I would say 
anything for your mind. Uh, you talk about meditation, and I started meditating when I was 19. I'm 25 now, so I've been doing it every day for six years almost. Ellis, your depth never ceases to amaze me. I do everything. What do you mean? I, Come on. My <laughs> God, you're like, it just, you, you're like an onion. Ooh, the Shrek <laughs> analogy. We just keep getting more and more information about you. You're, you've been meditating every day for six years. Yeah. Yeah. So I do uh, guided meditation. So the biggest thing that helped me was just kind of, it's only 10 minutes. I don't do the whole half hour. I literally use a, a, an app called Headspace. I've done every single meditation on there. And uh, they actually, if in Philadelphia, I believe they gave it out for free during the pandemic. And like, I got my mom on it and everything. I just really, it's really nice. I really thought it was like corny at first. Uh, but you realize resetting your mind will really open a lot of things up. If you're not thinking clearly, uh, Santa said, like if you're trading with fear, if you just take a couple minutes, kind of reflect, chill out, set your goals for the day, you'd be amazed of what you can actually do. I feel like everyone wants everything now, 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 and no one appreciates the process anymore. What has the biggest change in your life been since beginning to meditate? Uh, much calmer, less angry. Uh, I used to be, I guess when I, I think every male when they're 19 to 21 is hyper aggressive, <laughs> but nowadays sure, I'm way more sure. chill. Uh, you know, I don't do yeah. drugs. I don't drink. I just kind of hang out and, and I'm very chill, relaxed all the time. I get better work sleep. On, work on your meditation. And my NFT that I'm dropping, you know. <clears throat> oh, yeah. <laughs> that was from last episode. Well, let's <laughs> talk about uh, trading. So I'm curious, like, Santa, like, how you got into trading. Like, what was your first exposure? And then uh, same with Koya as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think just like everybody, we had a lot of mentors that we, you know, came across. Like, for example, my, my first trade was from a local friend that I know here. He got me into Weeble and seeing all these penny stocks telling me, hey, these guys, you got to follow these guys. These are good. Um, <clears throat> I did learn a lot from different mentors, so like technicals, you know, patterns, resistance to support, Rob, you know, just his sympathy plays, Kuya, his high volume. So it just basically um, I was lucky enough to find all these great traders, you know, that are were willing to teach me as a new person. And that's what we try to do in precise trading, you know, like whatever I learned, I'm, I'm trying to give it back. You've always been like that. I feel like you always get back to your people. That's one thing I always admired about you is you actually care. I feel like a lot of people are just in it for the bag and get out, but you're actually there grinding, making sure everyone understands what's going on. Yeah. And the constant lectures about them not being greedy. <laughs> <laughs> the hardest thing in the world to learn. Yeah. What about you, Koya? Or Kuya? I'm going to mess up a million times. But we'll that's Okay. Um, I'm a, I'm a COVID trader. Uh, so I came in kind of around when COVID started, I basically saw spike on a crash. Um, and I thought, Hey, I should buy Tesla. And, uh, that kind of got me into, you know, trading in general. And then I realized that the moves weren't as big and somehow magically came across stock twits. I don't know how, uh, <laughs> classic story. Yeah. Opened up a Robin hood account. Um, basically bought a bunch of small caps that were up, you know, hundreds of percent and, uh, basically blew my account many times, um, until I figured out that I need to kind of get my stuff together and, and learn. I'm a person that, you know, is very passionate. So once I put my mind to it and started to learn from some of my mentors as well, then it kind of evolved from there. You hear how calm they are, Blaine? 
I do. I do. I love it. I love it. Now, would you say uh, she has all had multiple mentors, right? Was there any, is there anyone in particular that really stands out to you that really like taught you the game? Because like I have someone in my mind who really taught me the game of like trading and everything like that. Is there anyone that stands out in particular? Yeah, for sure. I'll give you a couple shout outs that you guys probably even know about. Um, <clears throat> the first guy was this really talented options trader that I know. His name is Gapop. He taught me technicals because I would tell him, like, what does that moving indicator mean? He, he would just refer me to his little tab of education, you know? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and then he was, and then there was Emperor. That's a big Atlas trader at 1.2. He would tell me that he would see the stock market like movie scenes. So basically, chart patterns, he will already notice what would happen in pre-market so if there's an abc pattern he are, he obviously knows where to add and what it would do next uh i believe spud you you probably know him from south yeah, of course Party. i know spud yeah he's an he, og he, i love him great dude he, he is he, an og he is amazing he taught me a lot in his uh even though he carries a premium group i think it's worth it um he taught me a lot of lessons for resistance and support so he will go over plays that he ran that day so i understood that okay we buy at support and then i know that the next point will be where i will probably sell at the next resistance um rob everybody knows that he's like the sympathy he's back guys. and he's back hopefully <laughs> go, he's back forever. so everybody's excited about that because we know what he brings to the table and Kuya, Kuya taught me a lot. You know, we met in PT and he taught me a lot about the high volume plays in market hours because for me, I, I prefer trading in pre-market. I feel like there's more buyers and sellers there. People are more focused about it to see how high this can get. But uh, once you get to market hours, it gets a little bit trickier. Some more brokers open and stuff. But yeah, those are the mentors that I can tell you from back of my mind. Very cool. What about you, Kuya? Who are your mentors? Um... I kind of, so when I started and I was sitting with, you know, two blown accounts, <laughs> um, having no idea what I was doing, I basically yep. went online on YouTube and uh, Rainer Teo, he was one of my mentors. I watched basically hours and hours of videos trying to figure out, you know, how to read a, a, a chart or use indicators. And so that kind of helped me. But I think for the most part, it wasn't, I didn't really have much direct contact, but uh, it was mostly watching a lot of these big guys. So, like, uh, I really look up to Ultra. Uh, Ultra's Spud. one of my buddies. Yep. Yeah, Spud is another one. Uh, Rob, um, and even some of the Atlas guys. Um, just the way that they, the way that they trade, the stuff that they trade. Um, I kind of learned on my own and watching them. Um, and so, you know, those are the kind of the people that I, I look up to and still look up to. Uh, Santa as well. He was basically the one that pushed me to kind of take it to the next level as a trader. Yeah, he Santa put you on, man. He put you on. You're a legend now. I see they they talk about you on Momo Chat now. How does it feel? <laughs> uh, are you talking about Momo Chat where? In Atlas. I oh. see your name mentioned in there. <laughs> oh, I, uh, I'm not in that, that room at the moment, but okay. uh, um, it's cool, man. I, I was literally, you know, the the guy who was on stock twits that knew nothing. Um, and so... Now I know a lot more and I'm still learning, but, you know, all I want to do is, is kind of spread, you know, financial literacy and, and stock market wisdom because, you know, when I started, you don't really know where to start. And so I want to give people an avenue to be able to ask questions, to feel comfortable um, and kind of go through the same trading journey, but kind of minimize it so they don't make the same mistakes that I did. Awesome. I'll tell you, they're, they're good. They're calm. I love it. <laughs> now, 
another good question I always love to ask people is like, what was the turning point? Right. So like for me, I realized that I was taking way too much size over trading, just like the classic mistakes that people like know they're doing it, but they don't know how to stop doing it as awkward as that sounds. So I was wondering if there was like any really turning point or is it as simple as, you know, just sitting down, studying, doing the TOS kind of a replay, uh, you know, journaling, is there anything that you did that really pushed you to the next level? Uh, well, for me personally, um, I can tell you that once I found out like all, the, you know, how low floats are, yep. there's a lot of manipulation in them. Um, so the biggest thing that I could tell everybody that changed my game was when I realized that I needed to find my own place. Yeah. It's, especially with options, because I can wait for somebody to tell me to buy something. But if I buy with them, I'm 90% sure I'm probably going to lose. But if I buy with my parameters and I know what's going on, I know what's driving this stock, I know what the news are, then I have a higher chance of me being able to know where to get off, when do I need to stop loss. Because when you hear somebody, you know, what's the price target of this? You can understand they're kind of lost. You know, they don't know what's going on. They don't know that they need to look back maybe the weekly chart, maybe the four-hour chart, see what the, you know, the ranges are on this stock. So the biggest takeaway that made me a bigger better trader was that when i started making my own place i stopped listening to so much noise i actually just use people for trade ideas not for trade not for buying signals and that made a huge difference because i was chasing tops and you know how these penny stocks are they could be up 100 percent and they'll go down 75 percent. so you're down what 25 percent already yep. if you're buying the top so you just got to be very careful who you follow there's a very few traders that i follow that will give me good trade ideas but at the end of the day, um, I make that final decision. And I think that was just a game changer for me. Yeah, and I think uh, to kind of back that, to kind of track your progress as a trader, I think a trading journal is absolutely critical for anyone who's starting and still trading. I think if you have a good trading journal, you can kind of objectively look at your trades and say, you know, here was my, here was my plan, my entry, my risk, my stop loss, my reward. Uh, here's what I was the setup that I was playing. Here's how it, you know, ended up. Here's where I ended up selling. And then you can kind of objectively go through and read those trades. And I think going through that kind of helps you figure out, you know, what's working, what's not working. I want to go back to the fear thing. This is something I've been thinking about a lot is sometimes I feel like I trust myself a little bit more than I trust other people. That's kind of, it's a new thing I'm learning as a trader, but whenever I would take someone else's calls, I would be, there would be like an element of like, how much can I trust this person? Is this person having a good day? Are they on a hot streak? Are they on a cold streak? Like there would be a little element of questioning about it. Whereas when I take my own play, it, you know, I'll have my three reasons for doing it or whatever. And I don't have any fear because if it fails, I'm like, well, I like I did that and I took that because I wanted to. And it's been such an interesting thing to realize over time. Um, does that does that make sense or absolutely. Yeah, hundred percent makes sense. Just I was read Twitter trying- comments. <laughs> when people post plays, if you're ever uh, wondering, you know, what happens when you take someone else's play, you look at the comments of like a big trader. It's like, you know, screw you, dude, like you're pumper, like whatever. And in, in reality, it's because when you take an alert, 
you don't go through the the process where the thought process or your rules or anything, you just, oh, this person tweeted slap, 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 and then it knifes right. on you. And then you immediately blame the other person. But I don't think that person has access to your account. They didn't press buy, right? Right, right. I used to have this rule that was like, it, it was don't take a trade unless another trader who you respect is in the trade. Well, that was a bullshit rule. And yeah. I wish that I had never made it because what that led to was just like following calls. It was a it was bad. It was There's a bad no rule. easy way to trade, right? Apparently like, not. Because exactly. if you could come up with a good way, you'd be like a billionaire. Yeah, apparently people sell courses, no... <laughs> but it's one of those things where you need to have that conviction and almost that discipline. I mean, you need to make the same mistake. Like I'm sure Koya and Santa, when it comes to low floats, we've all bought the top of a low float because we thought it was going to break out, and then it just instant knifes on us. And we've done it so many times that we know we can see it in our heads. Like, hey, this is getting a little too toppy, a little overextended. Like, I'm just going to sit out for a couple minutes. Let it come back down to whatever, like VWAP or whatever, and then I'm going to add there because you can see it time and time again. It comes with that like screen time almost. People get yeah. too eager, like, oh, it's going to go to the moon, all in. I'm like, nah, dude, buy the dip. You can make the moon plus like an extra 25%. <clears throat> yeah, and I think that the whole presence of Fintuit uh, is a blessing if you can use it in the right way because it kind of helps direct your focus a little bit uh, as a lot of people are you know, have a hard time finding plays. And then once you kind of are looking at a play or an alert that someone's kind of using, then you can apply your rules. Uh, I would stick to your gut. You know, having trading conviction is absolutely essential. And the only way you can build that is you need to trust your setups. So if your setups are failing, you need to tweak it. Uh, But as soon as you kind of figure out what works for you, you just need to trust it. Uh, And I think that's something that's hard for a lot of people, especially as they size up. But I think having conviction in your own trade, that mindset uh, is already going to help you get past that fear. Do you guys want to tell us your A-plus setups? Sure, I can tell you what I like to look for. Um, All right. So for me, since I trade pre-market, I have to be extra picky because you can tell that the volume is very small compared to Uh the market hours. So for Kuya, he can barely clearly see like oh five minute candles are like oh one million you know but you're not gonna see that much volume in pre-market but um basically what i what i look for is to see if the news is solid what exactly is moving this stock it could be a momentum play you know right now the theme is short squeeze which to me is just an excuse to tell people to buy shares (laughs) someone finally said it i don't i'm not saying i agree but yeah yeah. So what I look for is just that, like like uh, Ellis said, the VWAP is very important. Um, I do use indicators that are magic to me. Um, MA5, I have seen it so many times when a, a news play is just riding it all the way up. And I ask myself, why did I take profits when it's, it was just beautifully run up, you know, but it's easier when you look back at a stock and you can see what happened. But I used a uh, moving average 5, 12. 12 will be my stop loss if I'm scalping. I'm a big scalper. Um, I don't like to hold things too long. Uh, MA21 is the one that Kuya introduced me to. That's where where people usually buy. MA50, everybody knows about that one. And MA200. So anything above MA200 and my VWAP, I look at it as a clear sign that, hey, I'm still good on this one right now. 
Um, the other ones that I use is the volume, and I have six charts on my screen. So I don't have MACD or RSI unless I really want to look into in depth of the on the stock. So those have been working like magic to me. Um, also Bollinger Bands. Uh, I treat the top one as, you know, I might have to get out pretty soon or let's see if it keeps holding it and let's see if it keeps breaking it. Uh, the middle one would be similar to the MA21. It would be where people buy. The bottom would be my last stop loss or my dip buy. That would probably be where I buy. And, you know, the times that the time frames that I usually use for these, I know a lot of people don't like the one minute, um, but I do like it a lot. I think that it's the best for pre-market. And uh, and five minutes for any chart patterns. So we've been interviewing people who have been on the three minute recently. I feel like it's a wave of people. I think Corey, don't you use the three minute? I could have sworn you used it. Uh, I kind of use all all the time frames. I usually look to find a trend. So like my indicators remain. My rules are exactly the same whether I'm playing a one minute chart or a four hour daily. If I'm swing trading, breakout trading, etc. My rules are always the same. And so I kind of play on all the time frames to identify a trend. And then I'm mostly a trend buyer, and I I play into volume and, and key breakouts. But okay. I do like the three. I think the longer the time frame you have a better indication of price action. So your candlestick reads are going to be a little more clear. Yeah. Higher time frame, higher the conviction. It's like rule one of trading. Exactly. Right? If you're playing a weekly breakout, you hold it until it goes, you know, but if you're playing a two minute breakout, you're only going to hold it for you know two minutes. That's what I always tell people. Uh, some people get, you know, they'll keep switching all their time frames to find the pattern looking for them. Like, uh, we call that confirmation bias, <laughs> you know, it's like it may look like a bull flag on the one minute, but the 10 minute, it's not really giving me that kind of feel. So I I find myself like when I need to get out of a play, but, I, you know, I don't really want to because now that I got the cash account, I got to be more like. Yep. Frugal. Hard. Yeah. yeah. Too too. So, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like looking at the five, which is what I trade on. It'll start to look a little bad on the five. And I'm like, well, let me check the 15, see if we're still good. And now I'll just go like higher and higher. And that's when I'm like, Blaine, like, you should probably cut it. If you got to look at like seven different charts. Exactly. To convince yourself to stay in. Once you start stressing. twos have been just that's my setup recently. That's what I yeah. play every single day. I have that down to a science. It's kind of gross. But yeah, that's my uh, my bread and butter right now because I'm not really good at finding like uh, big breakouts during the day. Um, I, my my Momo, I guess, scalping style is very similar to Spud. Uh, Spud, I want to say, if you ever listen to this, one of the best traders when it comes to Momo. He's not a quote unquote pumper. Like the plays he plays are such high volume that his tweet, his whatever comment on Weeble is not going to move the stock. <laughs> so he needs to get more love, but yeah, that's what I play. I normally play those consolid- uh, consolidation zones, like during lunchtime, kind of wait, buy some VWAP dips, wait for it to curl and they ate, uh, you know, similar kind of breakout strategies. Yeah. And Blaine, what I've noticed in this market, um, is that a plus setup that you kind of talk about. I would rather mm-hmm. not trade than take a non a plus setup in this market. And so that's how I've been able to navigate this real, this like expensive chop, because unless unless I'm looking at the chart and I'm thinking like if I don't buy this, I'm dumb. Like I'm stupid because this this right, chart's right, gonna right. go. Those are the those are the only setups I'm taking. I would rather not trade for a week and take one trade that's gonna go 100 percent than sit there and take you know small scalps where I'm gonna basically stop out. 
That's a lot of patience. I like yeah. that. You have a crazy like amount of that. patience, don't you? Yeah, I had to become emotional because it's the the way the style that I play it just it doesn't work well with emotions. Yeah, robotic like yeah. you got to trade like an algo, right? That's like, again rule two of trading. <laughs> you got to be an <laughs> algo. No emotions. Watch the tape. Now, are you, do you guys read level two or anything like that? Uh, where you just mainly like tape readers? Um, it's funny that you mentioned level two because when I started trading with Gap Up. Um, I actually would just, I didn't know how to read a chart, you know? So for me, it was kind of like just reading the level two, seeing like the tick, you know, the tickers and stuff. Like I would just see the percentage going up and I'd be like, oh, this is nice. So I actually started learning how to trade, just looking at level two, seeing who was bidding, who's, you know, I would see the resistance, the support, and it made sense to me. So that's when I started trading. And then once I learned how to read charts i put it together and it makes sense to me you know you can see where somebody's trying to keep something down at the on the level two yeah you can always see the resistance on the level two if you know what you're looking for it's actually interesting you probably got a little bit of leg up because you say that you have a resistance at like 150 and you see like a hundred thousand ask you're probably like oh well that level is clearly important i wonder why it's important and you can almost backtrack and, and kind of learn your support and resistance that way yes sir Irrational exuberance? When it comes to killer wine at drastically low prices, 30 to 70% off retail, and free shipping, we live for that here at Last Bottle Wines. Whether you went long or short on GameStop, you'll need a glass of something terrifically tasty. And we've got the goods. Last Bottle is a daily wine site based in Napa, California. One wine every day at Black Swan event prices, usually 30 to 70% off, until poof, it's gone. Whether you're a pound-the-table type, think ultra-crisp, quaffable Sauvignon Blanc, or a dividend aristocrat, Burgundy, or Napa Cab, there simply is no better place to buy wine on the web. And they always have free shipping. Last Bottle has a deal just for Penny Lane listeners. Use promo code PENNY, that's P-E-N-N-Y, to save 10% off your next order with Last Bottle. The code is good for one order and one order only, and it expires March 11, 2022. So head over to lastbottlewines.com today. That's lastbottlewines.com. Now, Koya, you said you're a you're you're a trend buyer, right? Yeah, so I mostly do like intraday swings uh, or breakouts, and so for me, trend dips are like perfect for my so style. How would you describe a trend dip to someone that's not familiar with it? So for my rules, it's very simple. Um, I use like EMAs just because it factors in like more short-term price action. But yep. I use the 21, the 50, and the 200. Uh, and so what I usually look for uh, on a trend buy is first I have to identify a trend. So usually I'll cycle through the time frames. I like to use like 5, 15, 30, an hour. Uh, and I want to see kind of a, since I'm playing mostly momentum, is you know I want to see this stock bounce off this trend level. Um, and basically once I can identify that trend, let's say it's the 21 EMA on a five minute chart, then I'm looking to enter on a bullish reversal or bounce play. So maybe like a three white soldiers off the EMA into like a MACD curl, like those type of places where I'm looking to add off the trend and then kind of sell into, into breakouts or, or resistance failures. Interesting. So you're you're almost using candlestick patterns as well, like the charts you see on the uh, on Amazon, right? It's like three white soldiers. You have the uh, oh my, tweezer bottom, those kind of uh, like candlestick yeah, stuff. Yeah, I had to lessen the noise to start, but 
you know, you, you have to learn them one by one. So essentially I'm, I'm playing candlesticks, I'm using indicators and I'm also watching, you know, level two in time and sales. And I've figured out kind of a process in which I can identify all that and take these basically high probability trades. Interesting. Now I'm starting to realize that there is a, a, a theme among both of you of blocking the noise uh, could you maybe put each of you like in your own words what that actually means? Because I see a lot of it on Twitter, but I feel like a lot of people don't, I can't comprehend it. Well, for me, it's because I have seen the, you know, I have seen all the arounds about penny stocks. I can tell you the good, I can tell you the bad. Um, so just realizing how much manipulation is involved, it's just, it scared me, to be honest. At one point, I didn't know who to trust. Um, so, once I realized that I was like, okay, man, you got to like look for your own plays. You got to see who it's solid, who you can really follow, who you cannot. So what I do is I, I do follow people on Twitter, but I just like to see who is in what play, if that makes sense. Yep. Um, so once I have that established, I can tell myself like, okay, then I got to be careful if this guy announces a sale. It might, you know, this is a 4 million flow. It can easily be whatever trend that we're on right now, they can easily just dump it and cause us, you know, short sellers to come in, the shorties to take over. That's what we call like when they turn on the short algos on against us. (laughs) (laughs) They're on right now. (laughs) Yeah. So we're always wary of, well, I'm always wary about that. Who's in my stock, what discords in it, you know, it, it just all depends on blocking the noise. Like once I get to that point, I know that this is a safe play or not. Um, but I do just use them for, for reference, just to see who's in what, uh, for blocking out the noise. Yeah. You got to trust your place, trust your own place. Once you find something that you like, you can see your support and resistance. You you just got to go by that. I can't just go by somebody telling me, Hey, this penny stock that was 30 cents is going to go to, you know, $10 or something. It's just (laughs) unrealistic to me because I know how much money it would take for you to send that over there. And we know that these companies are not, you know, they're penny stocks. This is not Apple. This is something that might even wait, get delisted one day. So you're not, you're telling me that Naked is not the next Tesla? No, of course not. They can <laughs> try to buy every EV company, and they're not going to be Tesla. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wait, didn't they do a a ticker change? I think they changed to CENN or something like that, right? Anyone know? Uh, random. I haven't random. followed since the GME era. Uh, uh, I missed that. Do you remember? Uh, I remember buying it and went up like three dollars, like a share after hours. I was like, nice. <laughs> yeah. Now, what about you, Koya? Like, how would you define you know blocking out the noise? If you're a new trader, came to and, and I'll, I'll let you. You probably know where I'm going with this. Oh, okay. Yeah, that? yeah. So, uh, I think the the problem with you know so much access to information nowadays is you kind of have to sift through what's good and what's bad, and so you know as much as you can kind of get information overload i think you need to block a lot of the other you know stuff that gets thrown at you and so for me on twitter i'm like santa like i want to see like who's playing what you know how they're playing it are they already in you know based on the chart like how much can it run before i i feel like it's risky and so i'm basically using it as like a social gauge to kind of see you know who's in what uh etc and i also have a lot of mentors that i follow so um, they all have similar trading styles to me. And so if they're taking a play, uh, I, I'm interested in seeing, you know, why are they taking that play? Because it's probably something that I'd be interested in as well. It just keeps everything simple. If you can keep trading stupid and simple, 
It's so much easier. <laughs> totally. So much easier said than uh, than done, though. I remember when I first started, I had probably like a hundred indicators. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna play these these breakouts. <laughs> like, you ever hear of a jade lizard? An option strategy? You ever hear of that? What? It's called a jade lizard. Yeah, that was what I was learning those option strategies before I even like knew what a debit spread was. Yeah, and then I realized I think I'm getting a little too deep in this uh, this large cap space here. <laughs> Yeah, it's like uh, you. There's a lot of people on Twitter that I that I admire uh, and I follow. It's just that you know I try to keep everything very nice and clean, so that way I'm not you know reading or getting a lot of information, too much information at one time. That's it. So you just know what works it for you. Yeah, you know what works for you. Now another question is: Do you think certain chat rooms or uh, fur furus, I guess we call them, have uh, certain algorithms attached to them? Like, do you oh, think interesting. this is because these are penny guys? So I'm curious, like, let's say uh, uh, person A, he tweets out a stock and where she tweets out a stock. Do you think it moves differently than if person B was to, let's say, alert it? Do you think different algorithms are attached to different people? Santa, you want to take that one? Um. Well, from personal experience, I have seen it. Yeah. Yeah. It depends. Okay. It depends on because uh, we can even bring up an example of a certain furrow that would call X ticker and then a short report will come out next day, you know? Yep. Like I feel like they're being targeted as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I've always wondered that because I started to get those uh, feelings because I've seen, especially recently, I've seen plays be alerted and like it just gets stacked up with ask, like immediately just drowned and murdered. And I'm like, there has to be something on this. Like, yeah, there's definitely stuff there. And I think, too, on the flip side, there's a lot of finger pointing from, you know, followers. But like for me in particular, like I'm the guy giving out alerts. And so I don't want my team to lose as well. So I'm trying to pick plays that are, you know, very low risk, high probability of winning. Um, but you still kind of get these guys that will like, you know, a stock will go up and then it immediately gets hit with, you know, a huge short. Or yep. you can just see their price pinning on the bid. So... <laughs> we're bid propping it the other way exactly so i feel yeah. like there is stuff there um that's out there interesting yeah that's something i've, I've definitely realized uh over the the long years and gray hairs i've learned from trading or well, earned i guess we can say so ah <laughs> uh, that makes it such a rigged game an even more rigged game it is rigged 100 percent. yeah i mean we've all seen it so I wouldn't say that it's rigged, like someone's out to get you sort of ordeal. Although some people will portray it that way. I think it's more of just the nature of the hustle, right? For example, we're going through a correction for the last 60 days. And just today, CNBC is like, correction, world's over. So, you know, all the boomers are going to liquidate their 401ks tomorrow. And I guarantee mm-hmm. we have a great green day tomorrow. Like that's just how it goes, right? There's always uh, some ulterior motive. You just got to kind of, smart about it. I mean, that's truly why keeping your strategy super simple, I think is so important because you could go insane trying to factor in the algos and the media and the furus and the, uh, and if you try to sort of account for all of those things, it's paralyzing. I think that's why in the chart, the like beginner the beginner's trader chart or whatever like the beginners always have so much luck because they're not afraid or they're not trying to factor in for x y and z they're just 
slap, Foot slap, slap. And fancy free, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and then once I do, they start I learning. I feel like it's a little different uh, as a new trader when you're slapping, you know, $1,000 versus $50,000. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure, sure. You can't market by 50 k anymore. It used to. Last January, it could. Now, yeah, uh, you'll, you'll no move the stock. Yeah. No, there's no liquidity. Now, is there ever days where you just don't trade if you don't see a setup? Um, for me, like I told you guys, I have an abundance mentality. I always feel okay. like there's always going to be a penny stock that at least is going to go 20, 50% in pre-market for me. So every day it's a, it's a grind for me, especially if we're, you know, we're in charge of precise trading and we got to look out for the guys. So for us, for me personally, there's no days off. Either I'm, you know, hanging around or looking for a certain play, but every day there's a penny stock that's running for us. They got those rippers. <laughs> Let's talk about precise trading. How did that sort of come to be? Um, to be honest, uh, you guys know, like uh, Ellis said, he went to uh, to Rob's Discord first. I don't even know what they call it before. I think it was it just was called pre- PT. It was co- yeah, it was called PT. I found it on Reddit randomly by some random dude saying, yo, this Discord's fire. Check it out. <laughs> I just I literally Googled Penny Stock Discord, and that's how I found it. So okay, yeah, all right. I, I started talking to him and I was like, hey man, I, I wouldn't mind being your moderator for free. We had like, what, 6,000 members when I met him. Um, once Rob yeah. got really, you know, everybody started liking his plays. We, we eventually got to 17,000, I believe, members and pretty active too, because you got to look at the online people. So they're not bots or anything. Um, so yeah, we, we agree it. Uh, people are very happy there. We actually do it for free now. Rob uh, didn't want to make it premium at all so what we try to do is do random charities every month uh, which makes me very happy you know because i know there's people that rather give their money to charity than pay taxes you know totally you guys do charities could you uh, maybe explain a little more like so instead of i guess hosting a premium premium service people donate money to a charity and you guys uh you know give a check or something like that yeah, so we try to do it um, independently. For example, like I wouldn't want them to just cash at me and then I'll decide where to go. <laughs> that, that would be kind of sketchy. So we, 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 first started, we first started with St. Jude and I try to do like the research behind it to make sure that these are, you know, legitimate um, charity places. Then we did Home for Troops, which that one was, you know, that was very touching because they actually sent us, everybody that donated, they sent us a magnet and stuff. Really? Uh, that's, that's for, awesome. Yeah, that's for veterans that are trying to get a home. And you know how houses are right now, especially if you're in a wheelchair, they can be a little bit more expensive. So that one very, that was very motivating. Um, Kuya had a one for a suicide prevent lifeline. That one was really good as well. And then we had a Bethesda Project Homeless Project. So just giving back and everybody trading, you know, it just takes off the pressure of a premium Discord, you know, like it's not like you're paying us for these calls and we're giving back to the community. So that really helped, that really makes us all happy. That gave me chills. That's, That's awesome. Yeah. Now, was your upbringing similar? Like were you raised in a household to always give back? Because uh, I see it, it kind of seems that way. Um, to be honest, I'm not, I'm not somebody to say this out loud, but, um, I believe in God, but I believe that he gave me that, that gift of serving and I actually enjoy serving. So it just comes with that. I'm not sure with Kuya what drives him, but he, he does a lot for us too. So, uh, Santa was talking about how, you know, he feels like a sense of purpose of always giving back. It's something he's always believed in. So, Koya, I was interested, like, uh, where do you get your sense of purpose from? 
what was your motivation? Because this is the first time we've ever had someone on here talk about, you know, donating and how much it really means to them. So I was just curious, like where you get the motivation from. I think there's a lot of like darkness in this world. And so anything that I can do to kind of help that I, I'm all, all for, um, I believe in, in Santa and a lot of the charities that we give back to. So if there's anything that we can do to help, you know, someone need, uh, you know, I'm more than welcome to, to do so. Awesome. Very cool. Like I said, Penny, the PT boys are one of a kind. One of a kind. I was so excited. I was texting her this morning. I'm like, Penny, tonight's going to be late. You have no idea. <laughs> I, yeah, you guys have a fantastic vibe. Yep. One Thank you. So next, uh, we were talking a little bit off air, but I was curious like, where your names come from, right? People always ask me where mine came from. Uh, I made mine up like randomly in the middle of the night, but it seems like you guys maybe have a little more meaning to your names. So I was curious um, if you want to tell a story about it. So for me, um, before I started trading stocks, I was actually a paralegal uh, at an immigration law firm. Whoa, so, no way. Wow. Wait, really? Wow, yeah. that's cool as shit. Okay, sorry. So I dealt with a lot of uh, you know, asylum people. So you hear a lot of sad things, but you still have to have your best A game. Um, so I started like looking up to one of the attorneys and he was a stoic, you know. He told told me about stoicism, about like, you know, accepting things how how they are. And then I started looking them up and I went towards uh, you know, different types of uh Marcus Aurelius, then Aristotle. And his quotes really hit me, you know, I was like, one of them is like, happiness depends upon ourselves. Like those things are just, they hit you, you know, they're like very wise things. So I kind of mm-hmm. wanted to imitate, imitate that in my life. I love it. I love awesome. it. Awesome. I didn't know you were paralegal. Wow. Okay. That's cool. That's how you guys are so calm. Paralegals, man. <laughs> Crazy lifestyle, especially in the immigration office. Woo. Can only imagine the, the stories you've probably heard there. Yeah, for sure. What about you, Koya? Uh, so I'm, I'm, my ethnicity is I'm Filipino. And so Kuya is like a, it's like a polite term uh, to call someone. Usually it's like an older brother. Um, and so when I started trading, I kind of, kind of think everyone kind of takes on like a social persona. Uh, and so I've kind of just been anonymous for the most part. Uh, but it, that's kind of where my name originated from. It's kind of like big brother who kind of helps out. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. Your Twitter handle is uh, thanks Koya. So it's almost like uh, thanks big brother. I guess it's like a, a, how would you, a term of endearment maybe? Or yeah. Yeah. Like a polite term of endearment. Awesome. So better than saying thanks dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no, I really like that. I feel like you guys really build up your persona and I, I think this podcast is really going to show what types of people you are. Right. I think that's the beauty of podcasts is people get to tell their story uh, what they're about and you really get a sense and feel and I feel like people can be blown away by this I really think so yeah now Koya would you were you a paralegal before trading uh, I am not I am yeah. a uh, a computer science major uh, by trade and I own part of a software company development company so that's, that's why I've kind of been yeah, you uh, flying under the radar on, anonymous <laughs> that's yeah. awesome yeah. Are you still in college or are you an adult now? No, I graduated. Um, you don't have to say it's years. Weird. It's weird to say, but uh, a long time, not a long time ago, but almost <laughs> a decade ago. And so I've been kind of doing that most of my life until I came across trading. And so I'm in a position where I can kind of manage both because I'm kind of sitting at the desk anyways. I have charts up anyways. So yep. 
Yeah, so you work fully remote, do that thing. So you do, so you still work full time, right? Yeah, I, I work full time. I mean, trading I would say is part time, but other people yep. will say that I'm on all the time, anyways. Well, you just have it up in your computer next to you. And you're just waiting. I mean, have the have a trading people like want to jump into being a full time trader. Uh, you just want to sit at your desk and wait all day. <laughs> like, it sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, and I've actually figured out kind of like you know, what setups I'm taking. So I don't even really need to stare at a chart. I already have my alerts, like price alerts set. So as soon as those go off, I'm taking my trades and that's kind of it. Otherwise I'm, I'm not worrying about it. Awesome. And now you both trade on Weeble, I believe, right? Uh, yeah, I, I started on Weeble and you're going to probably kill me. <laughs> <laughs> but when I looked at the order book for options, I was so confused. It's not so, green and pretty. <laughs> yeah, so I can understand how people get, you know, turned by Robinhood. But then after the Robinhood saga, I was like, no, I got to learn Weeble how to figure it out, even though the fields are not the best. So I'm thinking of switching to uh, Thinkorswim right now for that. Ooh. Yeah, the fills, they do kind of rob you sometimes, I will say. Ugh. I have so much beef with Weeble. I can't even. Every I'm a, I'm a Weeble, Weeble trader. Knows, so. Weeble's the best. I have hotkeys for options. Come on. And I don't have to pay commission. It's not bad at all. I hate it. I hate it. Why? I told you I had that DWAC option that I was up like over 100 bucks on, put an order in to sell it closed the app, came back, it sold it for like negative $25. Wow. Yeah, sounds about right. They do have a customer service number if you search deep enough on the internet and they will answer you. Um, I had an issue where their platform was down and I couldn't sell like my zero day expiration lottos at three fifty. dollars uh, So I called them and they actually refunded me the full amount of the money uh, for what I paid. So I will say customer service is there. So if so anyone I has don't problems, trade options. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, well, when you're uh, born a D-Gen, uh, just, it, you just, you know, <laughs> when you have like 10,000 shares of a penny stocks, it doesn't give you the same rush because it's not going to go to zero, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> Even though uh, this market is not very kind to option traders because of the really expensive premiums. So I have been doing a little bit of scalping. I basically only play uh, inside bar squeezes when it comes to uh, small caps. That's what I play all the time. I haven't mastered, so. And I don't, it's very uh, low risk management. Like, I don't have to watch it. I just kind of let it do its thing. It's set like a trailing stop. Inside bar and T, T plus setups have been absolutely killer the last three months. Yeah. And they're not yeah, that hard to figure out. Like, you just wait for shorts to get out. You start seeing the shorts kind of cover into the tape and you, and you start buying their covers and you just wait. And you usually get three days of consolidation. So the risk is very minimal. Exactly. You have a and uh, shout out to Ariel for the one hour chart. That's what I base it off of. So I look at the one hour. Normally, it's like in a, in a wedge or ascending triangle, whatever you want to call it. And I just buy off trend lines similar to what you do and just add the dips and just kind of wait. This takes a little bit of patience. That's yeah. uh, I fr- I think Amanda C was the one who taught me that. I, I was going to say Amanda C is 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 the queen of that. Dude, she's the queen of Fintwit, uh, bro. I love her. Dude. <laughs> I remember she. I remember had like uh, 120 followers on like that, and I posted like OBLGN or whatever, because like my and like she like she blew me up. I was hyped, bro. I think it went like 80 percent, dude. Like I thought like Lambos were gonna come through like every window of my house, like <laughs> even though at the time I think I didn't, I didn't had like five thousand dollars worth, but I still felt really cool. <laughs> that first big play is always amazing. That's really nice and generous of her to do. She is 
probably one of the greatest. I highly recommend uh, people checking her out. But speaking of big plays, do you guys remember like your first big play? Um, I believe I had one that was amazing. I think it was something with Alzheimer's. But um, basically, I loaded the boat because I knew that they were going to have FDA approval news. And the thing that happened was that I loaded like right at 7.50. And then right after 8 o'clock, they came out with FDA approval news. So you knew how happy I was in the morning. (laughs) Yeah, your alarm went off like 20 minutes before. You're pouring out the champagne, calling the wife like, yo, Lambo's new house. what, what was yeah. the for that? I think Ripster was the one that was really bullish. Um, right? I'm trying to remember if it was Orf or not. There was one or I'm trying to remember the name, but I can't remember it. But that was like the best trade I ever had because that, you know how 4 a.m. is. Oh, and just man. Go ballistic. So that thing went, it shot up like at least 80%, I believe. And that's where I sold and it still went up. Probably looking at your phone like up. Oh. There's another couple hundred. Oh, there's a couple thousand right there. All right. That's a new house. <laughs> that's 4 a.m. Because people do 4 a.m. is like if you're ever up that time trading on Weeble, it's madness. It's insane. Yeah. You got to be quick, though. Very quick. What about you, Koya? What's your uh, biggest play, if you remember? I actually had a, a pretty significant amount of runners. Not, not to sound like braggy or whatever but you guys are the it, farthest thing from brag you've ever had on this podcast okay. it, it was just, I, I, used, I used to have them all i used to have them all mapped out but off the top of my head uh i would definitely say um i played i irnt uh when that oh, was like a very a, nice a gamma squeeze play i think i took it from like 20 to 60 uh i took um i believe it was mrin for for a good trade and i think my biggest one last year was hx uh, oh, the China like, one? Oh man, yeah. I think it was a dollar to like fifty. Yeah, I think I took it from. I think it was like I spotted like some after hours tape and some weird loading. I think I got in like around three dollars, and then I rode it all the way up to I think twenty. And, oh and wow! Mo- yeah, most of the room, you know, got major gains. Um, and then of course AMC. I had AMC yeah. at like two dollars, two something. Everyone made awesome. money on AMC. Exactly. That was fun. Yeah, HX was crazy. That was uh, that's what, now that all these like weird low float China algos. Uh, my buddy Barn and I, I'm sure you guys are familiar with him. Like we, dude, he is so good at finding these things. I think he has like a scanner on his computer just for these China plays. And then we load it up, and then if they have a lot of them have options, so we'll just load the farthest out the money puts like pets. We had like 1.5 puts on it, and we just held, and they're up like thousands of percent because he spotted liquidation. He's like, it's gonna die today. I'm like, okay. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, those Chinese algos are are very black and white. Like MOXC was another one that I rode for a pretty good trade as well. But How that whole they do sector, it? I don't even I don't even know. It's it's mostly like you'll you'll read the tape and time and sales, and I could just I don't know how, but I feel like I could just tell when when they're trying to push a stock up. You'll just see the blocks come in and and kind of the there's no really manipulation. There's no walls. There's no bids. Nope. There's no ass. It's just kind of you know, has a healthy Literally, trend. It's just blocks just coming across the tape. It, I've been trying to figure out like what they're doing over there, but it's almost like someone sitting behind a computer just walking up the bid every single day. And it's not a lot of volume too. It's not like hundreds of million. Like it's like sometimes like a hundred K or like 150 and then it slowly increases until it just slams down. Yeah. I think that's like learning like a stock's personality, which is also kind of one of those intangible things that you learn as a trader is, you know, not only price action, but kind of how or the way that this trades uh, in certain markets. 
Yeah. What's your favorite stock right now? What's your go-to? Because we've all been playing the same stocks for like six weeks now. What one do you uh, think is one of the better ones to trade? Or one you traded this week? I don't know. Um, for me personally, I trade a day, so I can't really tell you. Okay. <laughs> I, just, I just feel like these penny stocks, you know, every day we have a new play for me. Yeah, I'm mostly a momentum guy as well, so I'm basically swinging momentum, but um, my play right now is uh pixie oh, that's blaine's god. favorite that's her favorite stock oh god i just almost vomited <laughs> <laughs> so funny story is every time uh. i played it i lost bad <laughs> very bad uh and then i basically watched the last couple days did some dd uh found some really good stuff it was super undervalued was in kind of different sectors uh it had extremely high short interest uh, and so it kind of was like a all-in-one squeeze play. And so uh, a lot of our guys in our room, you know, got in just about a dollar. So most most of them are up pretty big right now. What does Pixie do? I thought they were blockchain and like, uh, like they a They were holograms firm. for a while. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Sounds like a tiny <laughs> stock. And nuclear yeah. engineering, right? You know? Pixie was my biggest loss I've ever had. And I will what happened? never play it again. You ever tell a story? Um, I'm trying to think. I don't I don't remember. I was in Atlas and PJ called Pixie. And at the time, PJ was on fire and I was winning on his calls. So I bought Pixie. I bought a, like way too big of a position. I mean, let's say like maybe 3,000 shares or something. Like more than I should have bought. And it immediately knifed. And I lost $1,200. And it was like, it was probably my first two weeks of trading real money. So that, that was a lot of money to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like throughout the day, PJ was like, Pixie's like still alive or whatever, like still kind of talking about it. And then he posted again, like I found an entry on Pixie and I was like, I just wanted to make that money back bought the same amount and it knifed. So I was down like over $3,000 on the, I've never lost $3,000 on a play like ever. Um, And I like came home and cried and had to tell my husband. And I was like, I don't think I can do it. I mean, it was horrible. And here we are. (laughs) Here we are. Here we I are, think, like, almost two years later or whatever. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I just think everybody <laughs> has to everybody has to pay that tuition someday, you know? Like, I had my yeah. very nasty uh, – you can look at YMTX. That thing was $10. Right now it's $2. I took a nice burn on that one recently. Uh, that's another thing that, that I wanted to touch. Um, one of the best traders that I know, and I think you probably know her, Ellis, uh, Lucky. Yep. Does that ring a bell? Yeah. So I Super saw her – yeah, I saw her profit and loss one time that she shared, and everybody was just you know excited about how much money she made from like I don't know I think it was like around I don't want to say the wrong numbers but I think it was like around PDT twenty five k to like a hundred. Everybody was just like, oh wow, she made seventy five thousand. But what I looked at was her losses and wins. You could see that her losses were a lot more than her wins, you know, and and that kind of like I was like, wow, a pro trader is taking that many losses, but you know certain wins that would actually overdo your losses. So that's one of the big lessons that I took from her as well, that everybody takes losses eventually. You know, we can't predict where a stock is going to go precisely. It's always going to have to be something where you have a, 
a minimum loss to mitigate your losses and let your runners run. So don't don't ever feel bad about losses. I think that's just tuition that we have to pay. Yeah. I've been working so hard on letting my winners run. I'm not very good at it. But I've got this kind of like new I've been so I'm posting my PL on Twitter and everyone is giving me advice, which I feel like the luckiest person in the world to get that kind of advice from people. But And that troll though. We can't forget about it. Yeah, him. that one guy. I found out where he lived though. I, I have a private plane. <laughs> it's gonna show up here in about an hour. We'll pull up, don't worry. <laughs> um somebody was like you need to take less plays but bigger size in the plays that you went on and really struck with me. So I've now been like scaling in more to winning plays and being like very, very patient with them. So if a chart, Ariel actually taught me to ask myself like, is the chart telling me that I need to exit this trade? And like, if the chart's not telling me, then I don't have to exit the trade. And I'm trying not to look at the total PL. I'm just like trying to let it play. And um, I mean, sometimes it can take hours, but it's been a very interesting way to to watch a trade develop and not have to be so hectic with like being in and out, in and out. And I'm making like larger gains doing that. I don't know PNL's why I started toxic. telling that story, but Pinel's the worst thing to look at every day. I, um, my mentor in large caps, he told me, "Don't look at your PL PNL until the end of the month." He said, "Get off your screen, put a post-it note over whatever it is, but don't look at it till the end of the month." That's what I was taught. Now I do it weekly, so I don't look until the end of the week because if I start Monday red, like this week I started Monday like a little bit red because I made like tiny scalp and then took like a. A semi-sized loss, but like nothing like I haven't handled before. So I know, like every like most weeks, I'll end green unless the world collapses, which might happen tomorrow given market conditions. But you know, <laughs> you know, Jim Cramer could uh, tell me to you know liquidate my four hundred one k and get into real estate. So we don't know, but we don't it, know. Yeah, I always like to look at it uh, at the end of the week, and then on Sundays when I'm doing like my I guess my chart sessions where my studying is when I really reflect on okay, what went right with this trade. What went wrong here? And I just like to keep almost like a running tally, especially as market conditions change, right? We're not in a quote unquote hot market unless you're a bear. So, yeah. And I think a lot of people are struggling with that um, and learning to kind of, it, the market's forcing you to be able to have risk management. I think that's a something that you're cons- consistently learning no matter how long or how good you trade. Sometimes you oversize, sometimes you over leverage or you take too much risk and just being able to like step back and assess it you know sometimes it, it hurts but it's better than going deeper into the red i know a lot of that's the term bag holder but you know when the trend when you're trying to fight the trend it's easier i tell a lot of people to just you know start fresh take a new trade or reset than to just let that trade just eat you up and eat up your your account yeah do you guys teach uh, opportunity cost of bag holding in your room do you ever uh, talk to people about that um i always tell them just to trade like robots use indicators <laughs> basically because i know a lot of people like when i started uh, being their mod i used to see people holding things from like that we call that have gone 100 percent. yep so my biggest thing for them is always like hey there's so many penny stocks and your penny stock might not run tomorrow so make sure that if if, if it went bad 
at least know what's going to happen next. You know, there's a catalyst. You can use the biopharmacist catalyst website. Um, you can see what's really sending this stock. Do you really think that it's going to continue or not? So, I mean, you know how scalpers are. We we just stop loss when, whenever we, we see that the play is done or we take profits. In and out. On to the next. Yeah, and how I always... many trades are you guys taking in a day, typically? Um, typically, uh, it really depends on the on the setup for me. For example, I took two trades today, and you can see that so many people will shout out so many tickers. But for me, it's just about the setup. If the setup is perfect, then I'll play it. For example, if it's overview up and it's just grinding up to the next resistance, I'll play it. But if it's something that's already all the way up on the top, I w- I wouldn't risk my money. But it's just like. If you're scalping pennies, you can rack up a lot of trades. And, you know, I really struggle with that, too, because some of the people I learned to trade pennies from were taking, I mean, like 60 to 70 trades a day. And that that's like both sides of the trade. So, you know, 30 or whatever. But um, I really made me think, like, if you're playing pennies and you're just scalping them, you can you can really get in and out and it's been a lot for me to unlearn that. Yeah. For me, it's almost about like quality over quantity for, for example, like I had times where I want to scalp it again and I'll give back profits. So I have learned just to move on at that point, unless there's something that it's really good. Like you can see Pixie ran several times today, but uh, most of the time I, I don't like double tapping the same stock. I, I do scalp it if I do see it run continuously, but most of the time, I just don't want to return profits. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Going back in for round two has never been super <laughs> beneficial for me. It's like a toxic a ex-girlfriend, you know? Like, right, yeah, right, you right, want right. to go over a crib, but you probably shouldn't, you know? Right, right, right. It's not going to end well. What about you, Koya? <laughs> how many uh, trades you taking a day? Now, trades not meaning like scaling in and out, but just like how many uh, setups you playing? Or It kind of depends. Like the market recently, I feel like since maybe September, uh, I try to keep it less than three trades. One or two or you know, is really all I look to, to take. Um, like, especially this year, I've been primarily focusing on like absolutely really good high probability setups. And I actually like it a lot more. It's a lot less stressful. I don't have to worry about it as much. And, you know, other people can also learn and win from those as well. So it's kind of like a double double bonus. I'd rather take one really good trade than take a bunch of higher risk, low probability scalps. Yeah, I get that. And that, I mean, I think that's such a product of just the market that we're in too. Still money to be made. Like Santa says, always a play. Well, you know what's interesting is, Ellis, a little way back in the podcast, you were saying like, this isn't a great market unless you're a bear. Now, you know, I've just been exclusively trading puts now that I'm on options. (laughs) I've been trolled on Twitter because I changed my my location. (laughs) It still feels kind of sideways and choppy to me. I don't feel like the grass is necessarily that much greener, but, but you know, I'm new to puts. So what do I know? I'm just telling you what I'm feeling. No, it definitely is uh, definitely is sideways. I mean, you get your big moves until probably like 11 a.m. And then we just kind of chop around. And then, you know, we get – so you, 11 o'clock is European close. So for people that don't know, that's when the European markets close, like the DAX. 
and they come to our market. So you got to see if they're buyers or sellers. Uh, and a lot of time we just kind of do nothing. Uh, and it's also OPEX week too for large cap people. So uh, OPEX week is the best way to explain it would be uh, how to rob as many people out of their money as possible. <laughs> cool. Cool, cool. So, and that's also a small caps too, right? It's like, how, we just want everyone like, so uh, my mentor was an old hedge fund trader and everything like that. And him and his firm would not trade during OPEX. They just wouldn't. They're like, ah, I'll come back next week. Because you, you get those really choppy moves and you don't know what kind of algos are turned on on small caps. Like, like for example, SBEB today. They literally held that stock at the same place for like four hours. So you know everyone that's in that stock so I know like a lot of Momo rooms, I teach like, you know, putting your whole account to it. So, you know, as soon as it breaks out, the bears are waiting. The guy who has a million shares is waiting to sell in that pop. So it's just, it's very, very, very tricky to navigate. Yeah. Now, do you guys short at PT? You guys probably want short stuff, right? We Ooh. have a room, but um, if, I'm not sure if you, I'm not sure if you've seen the gifts that I put in there. But <laughs> it's usually it very sound. dusty. It's usually very dusty. <laughs> Bro, it's the dustiest room in the Discord. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, we no. have some people that short a little bit, but for for me, it's mostly just shorting uh, the open flush. Nothing okay. crazy. So, like two three percent scalp. You probably don't even like talk about it. You just kind of do it on your own. Yeah, we have a room for it, but like I don't like to call short and then, you know, someone in our room, another mod or someone else is going long. I'd just yeah. rather play myself than try to, to ruin someone else's momentum. Yeah, shorting plays is like, it's like the taboo of the world. Um, you know, I short more now. I have a speed trader account. I don't have that much money in it, but I'll just short a couple ticks here and there to kind of. I know once I start really shorting stuff, we're going to have a thousand percent runner and TD Ameritrade <laughs> or speed traders going to call me. I'm going to get margin called. I'm going to like sell my car and like my kidney, you know? So I just, I'm just going to wait. <laughs> like, yeah. That's I'm the downside. Exactly. Even though uh, Palmer, our, our good podcast friend, uh, he likes to short the, uh, the Furu killers. Um, but <laughs> I just, uh, I, can't I think there's both sides to it. I mean, you just have to learn how to make money on both sides. You know, I don't think there should be a bias if you want to go long or short. It's just wherever you can go to make money, I think is the option. I mean, the goal, right? It's to make money in the market. Yep. As we sort of wrap up here, I've really been loving asking this question. What stock best represents your personality and why? That's a really tough one, to be honest. I know. I know it I is. I play penny stocks and they're garbage. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, my God. Um, I'm going to go with Apple because I think Apple has a lot of money and I like Apple. <laughs> so I'm going to go with okay. Apple. I'm not going to go with any Perfect. penny stocks. Yeah, penny stocks are garbage and I'm not garbage. So I'm just going to say, oh, my God. That was great. Wow. <laughs> I don't even know. I can't even think of anything i would probably say spy sometimes i have my good days sometimes i have my bad days and usually i'm pretty choppy perfect perfect i love those reasons alice do you want to tell us yours do you have one i would say i'm probably like a ford you know i'm like an old wise yeah. boomer that's undervalued you know yeah 100 also my largest trade of 2021 so yeah so you buying a new 20- ford uh, I actually do drive a Ford. Yes, I do. But I live in Philadelphia, so uh, I haven't driven my car in almost two months. So 
Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, this was asked. Well, Penny, you got to answer lovely. it. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, whoa, I, are, I have on a previous podcast, but in case people haven't heard, I said CCL, which I'm actually not trading anymore, but I said like CCL just shows up every day and sort of gives it its best shot. <laughs> Very reliable. And, you know, she's out there just just trying to do something. She's riding so, the wave. Yeah. So that's what I picked. Maybe I can like transition to a cooler stock as the year goes on. But that's that's where I am right now. Nothing wrong with that. All right. Well, guys, this was just lovely. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for your time. I learned so much. No worries. It was my pleasure. Thank you well, guys for really, uh, inviting us. We really appreciate it. The politest, most <laughs> well-spoken probably guest we've ever had, I will say. Totally. Totally. All right. Well, enjoy, enjoy your night, and you're welcome back anytime. We'd love to have you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Guys, we are getting very close to March 11th, which is the last day you can use the code PENNY for 10% off your order from Last Bottle Wine. We love the company. The wine's amazing. The prices are fantastic. If you like wine at all, I really encourage you to use this uh, coupon code. Thanks. Thank you so much to our producer, Joel Edwards and Chesley Lowe for the banjo music. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the Penny Lane podcast makes no warranty, guarantee, or representation as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information featured in this podcast. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. This podcast should not be considered professional or financial advice. Unless specifically stated otherwise, the Penny Lane podcast does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, service, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast. And information from this podcast should not be referenced in any way to imply such approval or endorsement. The third-party materials or content of any third-party site referenced in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the opinions, standards, or policies of the Penny Lane podcast. The Penny Lane podcast assumes no responsibility or liability for the accuracy or completeness of the content contained in third party materials or on third party sites referenced in this podcast or the compliance with applicable laws of such materials and or links referenced herein.